This year, our, our word for this year is inconvenient faith, that convenient Christianity is the enemy of your soul. And so we, we've been talking about these eight core practices, and throughout 2022, we're looking at these eight practices that keep us on track, help us to dive deep into our faith and, and lock arms with Jesus. But we've been calling them the eight inconvenient practices because none of them are easy, right? I mean, they're just not easy. They sound great in theory, and then you go to do them, and you're like, yeah, it's not easy. And so we are in a series right now called Inconvenient Giving. And giving is not just your money. It's your time, your talent, and your treasure. Uh, and so we've been walking through those things. And today I am really excited. Today we're going to be talking about giving my treasure. And I asked my uh, good friend and mentor to come and share with us because his wisdom is so great. Uh, I just I, I appreciate how he pours into my life. And I just want you to hear what I get to sit across the lunch table so many times and just hear his wisdom, but coming to share with us today, will you just give uh, Reverend Bob Green a big core church welcome. Come on, Pastor Green. Be seated. It is exciting to be here. I mean, I really get excited. When you're a retired pastor for seven years, you get a chance to preach, you're ready to go. I mean, anytime. I've got an hour and 15 minutes worth of sermons, and we'll do it in 25 minutes. Amen? So I'm going to talk real fast, so you listen real fast, and make sure it gets to your heart. Will you do that? You know, what a friend Brad is to me. I tell you what. Uh, will you come preach for me? I want you to talk about tithing. I want to talk about the treasure and things like that. And so it was my privilege. I, I praise the Lord, you know. Have uh, you ever been on an airplane when you got into wind turbulence, I mean, really bad, and the plane started rocking and rolling? And you did, first time it happened to me, it frightened me. I mean, I, I knew I didn't have wings. <laughs> that plane had to bring me down. And, uh, you know, I read a story about... Uh, pastor was flying. He was a well-known pastor and got in the same kind of turbulence. And the stewardess came to him and said, I know who you are. Said, would you mind, everybody on the plane's a little nervous. Would you mind doing a religious thing and, and calming us down? He said, why, sure, hon. So he got up and said, they've asked me to do something religious. We're going to take up an offering. <laughs> we laugh about that, you know. Yeah. But do you realize if you go back in the Old Testament and start looking at things, God's first principles to his people had to do with giving, inconvenient giving. It's exciting what God's up to, you know, and it, we just come again and again to say, thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in my life. Thank you, Jesus. You know, some of the areas, can you read that? Yeah. You know, at this time in my life, I can't read that back screen, so I brought my phone so I won't preach too long. Amen. Everybody gets an amen on that one. But, you know, isn't it interesting that some of the areas in marriage that really give us problems, and as a pastor done a lot of counseling, I guarantee you this is true. The five areas that people really struggle with in marriage, in-laws, children, religion, sex, and money. Money. This week, I'm dealing with a couple. Their real struggle is in money. He's not making any. She's making a lot and wants him to pick up. Go for stronger in that area. My first counseling uh, was through Hillcrest Medical Center. I was being trained by Chaplain Patrick. He said, you guys need to start chaplaining and chaplain <laughs> counseling. And uh, so he assigned me 
some people to counsel. The very first one. Now, seminary doesn't teach you how to do a lot of this stuff, folks. This was great training for me. The lady came in, and here's the first words out of the mouth of the lady that I was assigned to do my first counseling at Hillcrest Medical Center. She said, I'm here. I want you to help me help my husband make more money. I was making $45, you know, as a chaplain in the hospital. I'm thinking, you want, okay. So he had taught me to listen, so I just listened. And, you know, through a period of trying to help that person, I discovered the issue was not money. The issue was not money. He owned a large company in Sand Springs, and he made lots of money. I mean, lots of money. The issue was he was not at home very often, and she and the daughter felt neglected. And that was the issue on the bottom line. But they had all kinds of money. It's amazing. But, you know, in these areas, if we're able to see it in conflict, it can also be the areas of joy in our life, the joy of being able to experience all these things that the Lord has said to us. I'm not going to read, but Jeremiah 10, 31 through 39, God begins to deal with his principles of giving to his people. They'd been under Persia for a long time, and now here was Nehemiah going to take them and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. How many of you have ever walked on the walls of Jerusalem? Anybody? Nobody? I have, folks. I can't believe it. You know, we're in Jerusalem. This kid comes and said, hey, uh, I had about 15 people with me there, and he said, y'all want to walk the walls of Jerusalem? And we did. They're about this wide from right there, about that wide. At the biggest place. Some of them are a lot narrower than that. So we walked the walls of Jerusalem, looked into people's bedrooms, <laughs> you know. We're way up there and those kind of things. And it was amazing, but by the time we got through, the walls were narrowed. But Nehemiah was rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And so when he talks about these principles, he's talking about people going back into Israel, going back into Jerusalem, and refreshing the vision that God had given. I call this me- message refreshing your finances. What does that term refreshing really mean? Well, it means that we're going to step up to the plate. We're going to reload. You got your computer. You refresh your computer. You're going to reload to uh, get into the web page or to have an app or something like that. So first of all, I say to you, if we're going to truly refresh our finances, then we have to refresh our finances. Are you listening? By trusting God. I trust God. (laughs) I trust God. Are you really trusting him? Nehemiah said, this is what I want for you. I've got a great mighty thing that we're going to do. Folks, I commend you for being in Ethiopia. Ethiopia is a great nation. They need your help. You're going to build home churches there. Isn't that wonderful? You're going to start them in the homes. Go if you can. You envision a home, envision a home. Let me tell you what a home's like is you're not in Addis Ababa, the capital. You're out in one of the other areas, the greater part of Ethiopia. What you're going to see is a hut with sticks packed with mud, with dirt floors. I'll never forget, for we have been in Ethiopia for years and years as a church and going and ministering. I didn't know people could live in those kind of mud huts. One old lady, and the next year, we'd, a team had gone. My son was involved. And, you know, if you've heard my stories before, they raise your hand. Bob has so many stories, okay? If you've heard it, just raise your hand. I won't stop, but go Anyway, so have you heard that story in Ethiopia? I tell it to you last time I was here. Anyway, 
I go back, and this older lady, she sees us coming, and we're walking down. She says, come in, come in, come in. And they had rebuilt her house the year before. The water no longer ran through the, the floor there and washed it out. They had a little place when it rained that about three of them could get up out of the water. They thanked us for rebuilding their kitchen. Their kitchen rebuild was a little mud covering over her charcoal pit. There's so many things I learned in Ethiopia. Folks, you know what? Every time we worship, every time I come and I enjoy your enthusiasm and enjoy your worship, but my mind goes back to Ethiopia because they were worshiping with such joy and they had so little. And they taught me to worship like this. that this and sway and sometimes I just can't I just have to do it I ask him why do you worship with your hands open like that and he says because everything you listening everything belongs to God not me and it was an amazing thing and I just praise the Lord so are we really trusting the Lord trust God Matthew 7, 11 says, you can trust God because he will meet all your needs. There in the 31st verse of Nehemiah 10, he says, do it God's way. You ever realize that the world's way is not exactly God's day? Here in that particular place, he's saying, we're not going to buy anything on the Sabbath. We're not going to trade any goods on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is going to be a day to worship the Lord. Now, I grew up in a time when Sunday was a time dedicated to going to church. Amen. There was very few restaurants open. There were very few kids. You don't even can't believe that, but that's true. I grew up out in West Texas, and if you wanted to go to eat after church, there was only one cafeteria open. That's it. Everybody else was closed down. Why? Because it was Sunday, the Lord's Day. Doing it God's way, what does he mean in all that when it comes to our finances? Well, we've got to trust God to be our provider. Trust him. Who is your source? This is a real important question. Is your source your employer? Is your source your IRA? What's your source? See, we're really dealing with basic fundamental principles. And you've got a great ministry going here and what you're studying, your core group and etc. Are you that person that's really trusting God as a provider? Close friend, deacon, friend, and etc. I've seen him go through. He's one of the most talented, gifted men I've ever seen. I've seen him go through five job transfers in 40 years. Averaging about eight years and then let go of his job. What's been a blessing to me, that man has always trusted God to be his provider. Always. He never doubted one minute if God let him go from uh, if a company let him go from a place, God was going to provide. And God has provided that in so many different ways. Who is your provider? You really trust God to provide for you? Then he says also what we must do. He says we are to take one day each week and to focus on worship. Worshiping God. Now, yeah, yeah we're to live for Christ. Christ every single day of our life. We're to surrender to him every single day of our life. But why is it that the Bible is so strong in talking about a day of worship? A day of worship. The reason is, is because God's want you to focus. Focus. You ever tried to take a photograph and 
you don't focus very well and it comes out blurred. Do you realize that a lot of people have a blurred Christian life because they're not focusing on the fundamentals of what God says must be a part of our life? And this whole arena that we're talking about, inconvenient giving, is a particular thing that God wants you to understand. If you have blocked this segment of your Christian life out, you're missing what God can do for you. You're missing the joys. You're missing the challenges. They keep encouraging me to write a book because I can tell you story after story of what God has done in this arena of giving. Learn how to give. Learn how to serve. Let God be your provider in all of that. Learn how to focus. Worship the Lord your God. What does it really mean to trust God? To seek His kingdom first. The Bible clearly says this, Matthew 6, 33, Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness What's the next? And all? Well, let's, let's get a modern-day version in that. And he will meet some of your needs. That's the way some of us think. But the Bible says if you seek first his kingdom, his right, he, God himself, will meet all your needs. All these things will be added unto you. That's what he's trying to say, say to us. So, if we're really going to do what God wants us to do, then we've got to become people that are trusting God. We're seeking His kingdom first in our lives. Very important. Now, I loved English. Not the language, but the study of it. You know why I liked it? Because it was easy. We started in the fourth grade and studied the same thing until I was a junior in high school. <laughs> grammar. You remember that? I couldn't figure out why in the world people didn't get grammar. been studying for 100 years. But I knew that first is an adverb. Seek first. It's an adverb. And what does that really mean to us? It means you're to begin with, at the beginning, you're to initiate first. That's what it means. So, folks, listen to me. We're talking about a crucial area in your Christian life. Sometimes we don't understand how important it is because we've not paid attention to it, perhaps. Maybe we've not uh, gotten deeper into the study. Maybe it hadn't been part of our Bible study. But God says, if you want to be blessed, then you've got to initiate, you've got to make it first that God has said we are to learn how to give unto Him. You know one of the biggest dangers that we face in America? Oh yeah, there's nuclear threats, there's all kinds of threats to us. Do you know what one of the greatest dangers that all of us in this room and all of our kids and grandkids are facing? Materialism. We took a pastor from Romania to the airport. He and his wife, great friends. Uh, we went there many times. And as we put him on the plane, we said, we're praying for you. And he turned to me and said, Bob, we're praying for you also. Daniel Kokar was his name. Wonderful minister of God there in Romania. And I said, thanks. And he said, but let me tell you why. I've never been in a country. He had pastored in Australia. He had pastored in Romania. They wanted him to run for president of Romania. I mean, he was this well-known. And Addis Ababa there is where he's, Timisora is where his ministry was. And uh, so one of the things that happened is he turned to me and said, Bob, America has so much. I can see where materialism infects so many people's lives. You know what? We are one of the leading countries in the world. I, I'm sure I don't have the data from experts, but I can, I, I'm sure I'm right in this particular one of the greatest nations in the world that has the most is America, storage buildings. 
looked around this community. Every place you turn, they're building storage units. Literally. They're going to build one right for where I live, down on South uh, Elm, Broken Arrow. It's amazing. You go, guess what I've got in my backyard? Not one, but two storage buildings. You know what my neighbors have? They have one, two, three big storage units. Materialism can be a real problem for us, folks, and we need to understand that because the desire to have more can taint our life. You know what OCD is? Obsessive compulsive disorder. Well, that means where logic and reason are no longer the factors in your life. You know, sometimes that's what we find in our life spiritually because God's trying to say to us, listen, materialism can be you have that insatiable desire to accumulate things. That man, Daniel Kokar, he said, Bob, we go to Walmart here in your country, and we don't go, and we can't buy green beans. we got to buy green beans that may be French cut, uh, Ethiopian cut, <laughs> uh, this way and that way. He said, you got more styles of green beans than we've ever seen anywhere. Well, they flood us with all this. You ever gone to look at the marketplace? We have, we have an abundance of everything. God really tempted me when I came to Broken Arrow 100 years ago. I'd come in off of... Uh, Broken Air Express, when I turn on Elm right there, and there's car dealerships right there. And every time I'd turn, there was one car that was sitting right out front in this one particular lot. It was a yellow Cadillac convertible. Ooh, it was nice. You know, and I'd turn and say, ooh, Lord, I think a young pastor would be, that'd be something. <laughs> you ever had that kind of desire, you know? I'd turn, and it was still sitting there. Nobody had bought it. You know, nobody bought it because God was saving it for me. <laughs> you know? You know how your crazy thinking can go? Yeah, yeah. And I kept thinking, okay. I had two cars. My wife had a car. I had a car. They were clunkers, but still we got around in them, right? You know what God said to me one day? He turned in there. That car is not for you. Come on, God. My mind was totally out of sync. You know, I had to repent, get right with the Lord in that. Because it's important for us to understand, we have got to be able to truly trust God. Trusting God means to understand stewardship versus ownership. Who's in charge of your finances? I'm serious, folks. If God told you to do something... Well, I don't know. I don't know if we got the money to do that. I need to check the bank account. If God tells you to do something, who's in charge? Sometimes we understand that ownership comes back to a place that we're holding on to something so tight we won't give it away. God told us one time, my wife and I, to give a car away we had. We didn't have an extra car. Give a car away. Give a car away. Lord, are you serious? Yeah, it was a young girl in our church. She was really having struggles living with the grandmother. I had all kind of troubles in her life. Couldn't get anywhere because she had no transportation. God says, do it. Do it. But, Lord, but, 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 um, are you sure, Lord? You ever had that thought? Are you sure? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. So we did. So we make do, you know. Our car breaks down. One car breaks down. Took it to the dealership. Fixing it. And some of these dealers, 
Enough said. And uh, <laughs> my wife's sitting there with me, and he comes over to her, and he said, because uh, had, we'd had the car in before some repair work, and he got to know her. He said, you ought to see what we got today. Okay. And guess what? A school teacher down in Muskogee had traded the car in. It was really low mileage, wonderful, and cheap. Isn't it amazing what God can do? That car set became our transportation for years and years and years. What I'm trying to say to you folks, who is the owner when it comes to wealth? You see, you've got to transfer ownership to God. That's why I love that illustration I gave you. Open your hands. When you're like this, you're trying to manage and control everything in your life. So it's important for us to understand that God's the owner, I'm the steward. God owns it all. Are you willing this morning to release it all to God? God, it's all yours. My vehicles, my home. If God told you to sell your home and move somewhere to be a mission or do mission somewhere, would you do it? Would God, if God's speaking to your heart and he says do something, are you willing? Are we so enwrapped in our ownership of what we have, we won't. If God says, give this away, give, inconvenient giving. God doesn't make giving always convenient. Why? Because God wants you to teach, God wants to teach you something. Do you realize in the hardest times sometimes in your life is when God's going to teach you the most? After you've suffered a little while, then I will strengthen, convict, and confirm you. That's what he says. So be aware during that time. So if you're going through some financial difficulty, hey, all right. As a church, you can go through some financial difficulty. God's just getting you ready to be blessed. You guys got so much going for you, I praise the Lord. He's done a miracle among this church and what's happened to you through the years. And I praise the Lord for that. You're blessed to have a couple like that leading you. And I'm serious, folks. I know a lot of pastors, and some of them I wouldn't want to sit under. I'd be glad to sit under this couple and just be a member, I tell you. Glad to. If I wasn't preaching... Now and then, if I didn't have a hundred plus close friends at Air Heights, we'd be here. My wife's not here today because we have grandchildren that came in from college, and they want to be with their friends that they grew up with, and Meemaw wants not to be with me, but to be with who? <laughs> Her grandchildren. Amen. You know, I'm special, but I ain't that special, you know. <laughs> so think about that. It's important for us to understand. So are you willing to transfer your ownership to the Lord? Lord, I want to be your steward. You know, if you learn to do that, folks, he'll put people in your path that he wants you to minister to. He told me this two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I don't know how long. Uh, I knew I was coming over here. I knew what I was going to preach. Four days ago, I go into One Stop. You know where One Stop is? That's at 131st and Elm. Go into One Stop. No Pete and the man, Michael and all those who own it. His mom, Debbie. You know, if you take time to get to know people, you'll be blessed. Debbie's husband died. Their dad died years ago. They run the store. Um, they have a little girl works in there. Um, no husband. Three kids. One and on. You know what the Lord said to me? You've got a bicycle in the storage shed. Give it. Okay, Lord, that's no sweat. I don't ride the thing anyway, right? <laughs> Give it to her kid. All right. So I'm going into one stop, and it's cold, very cold. It's getting toward 
closer to dark. And as I start, this young lady comes and she simply says, do you have an extra 20, 25? I need to pay half the hotel room for tonight. So, well, let's get in out of the weather. And we began talking. And I had the privilege of putting her and two more friends up for a couple of nights. I'm not telling you these stories for, to elevate my, I'm telling you, if you want to be blessed, you've got to learn to give. I'm, telling, I'm serious, because the heart that holds on to everything, give yourself away to others. Learn how to love like Jesus loved. Learn how to be sensitive to the people that he puts in your path, you see? And God's going to do great and mighty things. Trusting God means I will obey God's word and not follow the ways of the world. Folks, you need to learn how to study about finances. There's some great materials, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But the world says borrow. If you need it, go borrow it. Sometimes borrowing eliminates God from doing what he wants to do. You know that? Let's go borrow money. One of the principles we had is the church, yeah, we might borrow money for a while, but we're going to let God do it quickly. And one of the great things I can say to you, by, based on that principle, that God's got funds, God's sufficient to take care of all this so we don't get in debt so much. And I know some of your story, and you are blessed people. I tell you, folks, one of the things God said to us, take care of it. Take care of it. And when the new pastor came seven years ago, six years ago, the church owed nothing, nothing. As a, church, as a pastor, you'd like to do that. Now, why? That's because people learn to give. They learn to give. It's important to give. And so one of the things I want you to remember is that we've got to be those individuals that are not going to do it just like the world. I don't have to borrow from the world's banks. Now, hey, there's nothing wrong with borrowing if God asks you to borrow. Hey, I couldn't pay for my home in cash. But there's lots of things that God would say, I've got resources for you. I've got ways. Take time to get with me. Let God speak to your heart. Another How about lending? I'll lend you money. Hey, you Sooner, you probably need some money, having lost, you know. May have lost a bet on the Sooners this weekend. But uh, I'll lend you money. But I'm going to want you to pay it back with interest, Okay. I'm going to want you to pay it back, and I won't charge you but 60% interest, okay? Right? How about you need some money? I'll lend you some money. I'll get an extra $100, but I want 20% back. You know what the Bible says? That's the way of the world. The Bible says if you're going to give money, expect no interest in return. Learn how to give as God would lay it on your heart to give. It's a very important time. Paying back without interest. Think about it. What does God want? We've had Slavic churches, Chinese churches, all kinds of churches. Ethnic churches will bless you. You know why? You know why you get blessed so much by ethnic churches? They like to come to church and eat. And they bring their own food. Friday nights at Arrow Heights, Chinese night. They would bring... Homemade Chinese food every Friday night. And then we'd play games. We had to put volleyball lines, excuse me, we had to put badminton lines on the gym floor. You know why? Because they play badminton. They play volleyball. But boy, you're talking about good Chinese cooking. Amen? Slavic cooking? Oh, good stuff. Hispanic? Ooh. And I tell you, folks, 
you may not realize this, but a lot of them can cook it a lot better than home-born Americans. I'm just saying to you the blessings that God's going to bring in so many different ways. Let's go to 1 Corinthians real quick. I'm going to take the time to read this real quick. 1 Corinthians 6. Flip over there. 1 Corinthians 6. Look what he's going to say. Turn your Bible. Bring your Bible. Put it on your phone, whatever it might be. 1 Corinthians 6. Let's look at 1. Does any one of you, when he has a case against his brother, dared to go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if, ooh, I won't, that's a good sermon, Brad. The saints are going to judge the world. Mm, okay. And if the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more matters of this life? If then you have the law courts dealing with matters of this life, do you appoint them as judges who are of no account to the church? I say, this is your shame. Is it so that there is not among you one wise man who will be able to, de to decide between his brethren? And brother goes to law with a brother, and that before the unbelievers. Actually, then, it is already a defeat for you that you have law, that you have lawsuits with one another. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? You know what he's saying? Believers ought to be able to take care of problems with each other. Amen? Why go to the law courts? God says, don't sue each other. Say, well, we may need to. Well, what principle is he saying here? Folks, Christians ought to be involved in lawmaking. Christians ought to be involved out there. In other words, he's saying to us, look, we can take care of a lot of things and not get the world involved in us. And so what is he trying to really say to us? Don't sue one another for money that's owed to you. If you give it, you can expect to be returned without interest. He goes on to say to us, we need to learn how to share. You know what we discovered? Home Mission Board of Southern Baptist did a survey, and they had some questions out. And it was very alarming what happened because in one of the questions, uh, they had several options. A majority of people put, I give because it's a good tax break. That's only Southern Baptist. I'm sure it's not the Nazarenes. Amen. <laughs> it's only a good tax credit. If you couldn't get any credit at all off your federal income tax, would you give? That's a fair question because surveys say a lot of people give because they realize it's going to be a benefit to them. Okay, let me hasten on. Number two, refresh your finances by developing a plan obeying God's principles. There's some plans that are out there, folks. Take time to find them. We taught classes like um, Financial Peace with David Ramsey, Managing God's Money by Randy Alcorn. The Complete Guide to Managing Your Money by Larry Burkett. I'm just simply saying those are out there, okay? And there are places you can go study. I'd encourage you to have classes in your church because why? A lot of people have no idea how to manage money God's way. And these are some great resources that people learned how. I've seen people just overcome obstacles you wouldn't even believe. So crownmoneymap.org. Put that down. You can go to that. So it's very important. They give a whole way of in crown money 
map of how you can start and begin to save, get rid of debt, and on and on it goes. Third principle is refresh your finances through real-life support of the church. Your children was up there. Give to your church. You're going to support the ministries of the church. It's very important. Ministries to the church. Quickly, I'll share. We didn't have enough money to go new, buy new baby beds when we needed them. And our new children preschool building needed new beds. Ours were terrible. And we heard St. John's was going to uh, have a sale. They turned down the old building. And so the education director went over and he said, hey, they got stainless steel baby beds. Okay, let's bid on them. Call back. Hey, you know, they got stainless steel uh, refrigerators. We had a new kitchen in the gym and we didn't have anything in it. Just an empty floor, you know. And it's hard to cook on an empty floor. No utility, nothing there. And so we thought, okay, uh, bid on that because we need a refrigerator. Yes, he came back and he said, well, we got the baby beds, praise the Lord, da-da-da. But St. John's at that time had a kitchen on every floor, and they were selling every floor's kitchen stuff. He said, I bid on one, got it, but he said on every floor, if somebody would pay more than all of the sum total of the individual items, that person got the kitchen. He said, somebody bought the whole kitchen out from under me. Well, Okay. Three days later, he gets a call and said, hey, would it be okay if Dr. So-and-so donates that kitchen that he bought at St. John's to your church? We didn't get a refrigerator. We got pantry tails. We got washing machine. I mean, uh, what things you scrub the dishes with. You know what I'm talking about. All that kind of conveyor belt stuff. We, got, we had to change our whole plan because all this stuff came to us from St. John's kitchen. Now, I'm telling you, God can do great and mighty things, but it's important for us to realize that we've got to let our money that we give to the church be used God's way, and he's going to do it in a great way. So commit yourself to the church and all its missions and all of its ministries. Folks, you got a great church in what you're doing here. Refresh your view of the church's identity. We are, turn to your neighbor and say, we are the church. We are the church, you see. And so it means us, not them or it. You are a part of what this church is going to be able to do. We are the church. The church will minister as you minister. I'm glad to see so many people ministering here in the morning on Sunday morning. Folks, you got other days of the week. How's God want you to minister? And what will it mean in your life? So think about it. You know, we did life support ministries. Our largest life support ministry every year, we do about three or four, was a blended family. Many of you in this room are blended families. Second, third marriages, children come together. They called it new face in the frame. Think about that. The church will prosper as you give, we give. You give to missions. You give to local missions. You give to state. Do you give to international? On our own goes. The church is an organism, a living, composed of human beings called out in Christ. The church is alive. Do you accept pastors that have that don't always get it right? Brad, you're in trouble. <laughs> I know you. Now, I was preaching a whole different sermon one time, and this was in the old main streets. So this goes back when I was a young person. I was so excited about Jesus and what he was going on, and still am. And uh, I said, the church has got to be, and I just told you what it's supposed to be, right? Living organism. That's before I gave notes, and I saw everybody go down and start writing, and I thought, 
uh-oh. And then it dawned on me what I said. Do I go back? Nope. Go on. So take off. A little confession, little confession, okay? And then lastly, I'd say to you, refresh your finances by proportionate giving to God. The first fruit, everything. It's not uh, that which I have left over. It's the first fruit. Study the Old Testament, the New Testament, everything. The gift off the top rather than leftovers. And so it's important for us to understand these things the Lord says. The tithe means a tenth. Tenth, commonly defined as a tenth of the profit. This book, a lot of these books will help you understand. God says give the first of your fruit. Give at least that tenth. Go over and beyond that. I could give you so many illustrations. Give it to proportionally how God has prospered you. We've had a lot of people, God's prospered in a way. A guy walked up to me and gave me $1,000 one morning. He said, Bob, give this uh, away as you see fit. So uh, this was several years back, and so we broke it in $100 bills, and we just keep a $100 bill, my wife and I in her pocket. And I, I can't tell you how much we were blessed. As we were in restaurants, we were in all kinds of places, all of a sudden God would say, give. The last one was up in the state of Washington just last year or so. We were uh, in a restaurant, and... Uh, Margaret says, I think God's speaking to me. So we gave this young waiter a thousand, not a thousand, a hundred bucks. Blew him away. Now, we didn't give it for his praise of us. You understand what I'm saying? As we were leaving, four women came out of the kitchen and said, you will never know what that meant to him. He, and they just went on telling us about this young man. You know, ever since then, Martin and I have tried to save back a thousand bucks come around the Christmas time so that we could divide it up ten ways and start blessing others with it. So I'm just saying, folks, we have to be able to do that. So the Bible says don't give begrudgingly but cheerfully, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. You know, at our church, we decided what we'd start doing at, uh, in, at giving time. Now gifts are taken all kind of way. Now we're giving as we walk in the door and lay in the plate and different things. And there's no right or wrong way. I'm just saying give to your church. God's got a ministry here. But we decided to start calling it the Hallelujah Time. And we would take an offering every Sunday morning. They'd pass the plates, you know, in those days and et cetera. And so I'd come and say, okay, it's time for. And the congregation would say, hallelujah, it's time to give. <laughs> Is that the expression of your heart? Folks, listen to me. Trusting God means giving him what is his. Ministering to his church. We can go on and on. There's some things there that. We need to understand that one's giving should reflect the blessings. There's so many people have been blessed mightily. Let God use you mightily. Refresh your finances through submission unto the Lord. And there's an illustration there of some, how people have given through churches. You can see uh, sort of a, uh, a gathering of facts. Some of the differences you'll see. A few people make a lot of difference. Refresh your finances and enjoy His blessings. What will you do about refreshing your finances? Excuses, listen, never lead a person to change. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, you can do anything that God asks of you. Amen? Anything that He desires of you. Anything that He wants you to accomplish the church, God can give you the resources for that. Would you submit your finances unto the Lord? We're going to take the Lord's Supper in a moment, and I hope that you'll reflect because He has given everything, His life, 
the shedding of his blood for you to be redeemed. Amen? Being redeemed, we're to release everything to God. Don't be a Christian like this. Learn to worship like this. And let God will be done in your church. Thank you, Jesus, for all you're doing for us. We pray that you will do great and mighty things through this church. Thank you for these people that have the commitment to follow you. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you. We honor you. We glorify you, knowing that you can refresh us today by the power of your Holy Spirit. In his wonderful name, we make this our prayer. He who died has given us redemption, who gives us his spirit, that we might be the one that can empower the kingdom work forever. In the wonderful name of our Jesus, we pray. Amen.